we are starting a series called No Longer. And we are going to be walking through different little stories in the, in the book of Zechariah, who's one of the minor prophets. He's writing at a time that they're, the, the people of Israel are returning from exile. So they had been kind of ripped from their homes. Their, their lives had been uh, thrown into complete chaos. The temple was destroyed. They were living in exile. And now they are able to go home. And so Zechariah is writing as they're trying to return back to their home uh, as they try to figure out what normalcy is like. And so we're going to look at what, what salvation looks like through the lens of Zechariah, and it's going to take us into this Easter season as we look at what has, has Christ saved us from, where is Christ uh, bringing new creation into the world. And so as we think about uh, this Easter moment, we're going to look into how God has been delivering us uh, from a long, long time ago and how God continues to deliver us today. Uh, we are going to start with a message on no longer guilt-ridden. And I think there's a, a lot of us in our, in our world who, who feel ashamed of things about ourselves and our past, things that we've done, things that have happened to us. And so we're going to walk uh, today uh, into the story of Zechariah 3. And this is a story of, of a people trying to go home, go, go back to the way things were, but you can't go exactly back to how things were because uh, we didn't live right and perfectly in the past. So you're trying to return, but also do something new and renew yourself and renew your, your life together. And so Zechariah is in this, in this moment of trying to figure out what is this new kingdom going to look like? What is this new life back home going to be like? And he tells this vision. He has this vision, and I want to just kind of set the scene for us in the midst of the sermon of who are the different characters in this story and what's going on in their, in their perspective and what's, what's that message going to be for us in the midst of that. And so we're going to start with Joshua. He has this, Zechariah has this vision of Joshua, who's a high priest at the time, uh, not the book of Joshua, Joshua. Uh, there's this high priest who has a terribly challenging job ahead of him. Hey, be high priest. Be the kind of religious leader for the whole people of Israel who has to figure out what it's like to, to go before God again back home. You know, they've lost their temple, and they're looking at how do, how do we rebuild that temple? How do we go back to God? And, and how do we not do things like we did in the past where we messed things up? And and you got to think Joshua is wondering, how on earth am I going to lead these people? How am I going to be able to be faithful? Am I up to this task? Am I worthy of this task? And I'm sure there's a lot of people in this current time, in this moment in the world, who are wondering the same thing. You know, for, for pastors everywhere, uh, they're wondering, what is it to lead the church in the midst of this, this health crisis? Uh, and that's true of, of political figures, of, of governors and mayors, and, you know, all the political people have to decide, how do I help lead my people in the midst of this challenge? Small business owners have to answer that too. Of how do I keep my employees safe? How do I keep servicing the community? Is there anything I can do to support uh, people in need right now? We're all kind of wondering, do I have what it takes? Am I enough? Can God use me in this moment? And so Joshua is, is before God in this kind of divine assembly scene, this, this courtroom, this, 
this, this throne room of God, and here's Joshua, little Joshua. You know, how do I stand before God? And he's wondering if he's worthy, and there's going to be someone in the scene that's going to question whether he is worthy. And this story has a, a, a character in it that, depending on your translation, might just say Satan, or it might say the accuser, or some the Satan. Um, but you should know something about Hebrew, that in Hebrew, personal names don't get definite articles. You can't be the Dallas, right? Yeah, you're not the personal name. You're, uh, so this, this figure in the story is a title, the Satan, the accuser. And that's going to seem probably reminiscent of the book of Job. If you know Job chapter 1 and 2, there's a very similar story of there's this kind of divine throne room scene in which there's this angel that's acting as an accuser who goes to God. And, and God and this accuser have this kind of back and forth conversation. And in Job, the question is, you know, God's like, you know, have you thought about throwing some accusations out about Job? He's, he's great. Oh, he's not that great, you know. If you actually take things from him, you know, he only loves you because of what you've given him. And so in Zechariah, we, we see this throne room scene, and, and Joshua standing before God, and here's the accusing figure, the, the Satan who says, you know, that Joshua, he's not worthy, right? He's, he's guilty. This guy is nothing, right? That's the kind of connotation that, that we see uh, Joshua facing in the midst of the scene. And I think that there are people in your life, I'm sure that there are people that have been outside forces who have said all sorts of things about how you are not worthy, how you are not good enough, how you've failed, you don't deserve an opportunity, whatever it is. Uh, I, there's someone that uh, is dear to me that told me the story once of, uh, this was a time, a long time back, um, but this was a time where they were in high school and their local high school had this contest and this dentistry um, held the smile contest. Who had the best smile? And they're doing this contest and different schools participated. And she won from her school, best smile. You got to go on and, and do this competition with the other schools in the area. And that person's, their mother was always very, very critical. And so the mother took the daughter out to go shopping uh, to find a dress to go to wear for this competition. And the whole time they're shopping, the mother kept saying, you know, are you sure that you won? Are you sure you won that? You couldn't have won that. How? And the kind of guilt or shame that we can throw on other people uh, in a moment can really sting and last and linger and some of those external accusations, you can still hear them. Someone that has said something about you not being worthy, about you being less than, you can probably still feel what you felt when you heard that initially. And so Joshua is hearing that external voice. And, and some of us have turned that external voice of accusation that you're not good enough, that you're unworthy. We've put that inside of ourselves. Maybe you heard it from someone else, but now you know how to mimic it. And you tell yourself, that you're nothing, that you're worthless, that, that you've failed too much, that you can't do this, that, that God can't use you, that, you know, I can't go to pray to God. God, God thinks I'm, I'm nothing, I'm worthless, that how can I go before God? And so we end up hiding. It's like, well, if I don't go to church, maybe God won't see me. Maybe if I don't go to prayer, God's not going to see what I've been up to. Uh, and so we get, we get scared to go before God because 
we don't feel worthy to be in God's presence. And, and some of that comes and starts from an initial area that makes sense. Well, God is holy and good, and, and who am I in comparison? But we turn ourselves into nothingness, and we, we run from God, and we hide. And so in this story, there's, there's the Satan there to say, hey, Joshua's nothing. And what I love in this story is the beautiful picture of God standing in this kind of throne room and uh, giving us a picture of what forgiveness looks like, giving us a picture of, of what it looks like to get past that guilt, get past whatever we're, we're running from. And I love that God in this story is eager to cleanse. God's eager to forgive. You know, sometimes we have this image of God like God is waiting to throw punishment on people. You know, it's the lightning bolt God waiting for you to mess up so I can strike you down. But God in the story is looking to heal, looking to forgive. And so they don't have to talk God into forgiving Joshua in this story. No one's like, hey, God, you know, maybe you should consider it. Like this story is just forgiveness is coming out of God. God wants to forgive Joshua. And we, we see God most clearly in the life of Jesus, and I can never think about God and forgiveness without thinking about Jesus on the cross in the Gospel of Luke, saying, you know, they don't know what they're doing, God. Forgive them. And Jesus reveals God's forgiveness in ways that seem hard to accept. It's hard. Like, we're used to holding on to uh, that thing that hurt us, and we can't forgive somebody else, and how can God be so forgiving? And here's this scene of, of God looking on with forgiveness on Joshua. And Joshua, uh, you know, God turns to the, the accuser in the story and he says to Satan, he says, the Lord rebuke you, O accuser. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a brand plucked from the fire? And I love that little line of like God saying, hasn't Joshua been through enough? There's been enough destruction. There's been enough fire. Like, life has its own pain. Joshua needs forgiveness. I'm going to use Joshua. I'm going to renew Joshua. And if you are someone who has struggled with guilt or shame, and there's things in your life that you can't get past, and you've never really wanted to to trust going in front of God and just offering those up and saying, here's what I've done. I, I can't, I got to be able to move on from this and I need to ask for forgiveness. The God of, of our faith is one who is excited to offer forgiveness. He longs to forgive, to, to bring love into the situation. Uh, don't hide from it. Choose to accept it. Go running towards our loving forgiving God. And I love that, that when forgiveness comes and he says that, that this guilt on Joshua is, is being removed, um, it goes on and he talks about empowering Joshua. You know, he didn't just say, hey, you're forgiven, you know, leave me alone. But God wants to build Joshua up and he wants to build us all up. And there's no one that is too filthy, too messy for God. Here's what Zechariah says. The angel said to those who were standing before him, take off Joshua's filthy clothes. And to him he said, he turns to Joshua and says, see, I have taken your guilt away from you and I will clothe you with festal apparel. I love that it's like 
we're throwing a party. We got to throw our celebration attire on. Get your party hat. You got to get your streamers out. Like, we're throwing a party, and you, I'm going to help you get dressed and ready because you might not think of yourself like you are forgiven or you are cleansed. You might want to hold on to that sackcloth, that imagery of the painful, I got to repent, and I got so much going on that I got to move on from. And the angel is saying, hey, God's, God's forgiven you. Like, let's throw on the party clothes. And it can be hard to accept that about ourselves, but how do we move on from the pain and the past and start to live into the celebration of our future. And I can't help but think about the story Jesus told about the prodigal son who uh, went and squandered all of his father's stuff, and he walked through that kind of, you know, looking in the mirror of, what might my dad say to me when I go home? Do you think he'll accept me? Do you think he'll take me back as a slave? You know, will he accept me or not? And when he comes back and his dad comes running back out there to meet him, and he's just forgiven and welcomed how, how can I be welcomed back? And you remember the father in the prodigal son story then throws this big feast, right? And he throws this special uh, occasion. But the brother doesn't like that. The brother's watching on and saying, you know, I was faithful. Why are you throwing him the party? Where's my party? But in, in the story in Zechariah 3, we have Zechariah watching on of Joshua getting this new attire and he's seeing the celebration of Joshua and forgiveness of Joshua. And I love this. You might miss it in the text. God is talking to Joshua and Satan, and angels talking to Joshua. And suddenly the text switches to the first person of, of Zechariah speaking. And Zechariah like, butts into the story and says, hey, I said, hey, let them put a clean turban on his head. He's like, hey, you forgot the hat. Let's put the party hat on. And Zechariah is like stepping into the story of like, yeah, let's celebrate him. He's renewed. Like, let's go get the hat too. And I love he's not the, uh, the style critic who's like, oh, look at Joshua over there. He didn't even wear his little celebration hat. But he's like, hey, let's go get him the best clothes. Let's go celebrate together. And we need those people in our lives who, who see that, that life, that God has changed us, that God has renewed us, and who celebrate with us who don't, you know, cast shade on whether, well, I don't know if you've actually been forgiven or, you know, you remember those things you used to do and we, we linger and we hold on to those grudges and those painful things. But Zechariah is there to celebrate and say, let's go throw on the best hat. Let's go have this party with God. Um, God is going to cleanse, Joshua is going to cleanse us all. And we need Zacharias in our life to support us. And I, and I hope that you might support the people in your life, the people who have been changed by God, uh, that you don't hold a grudge onto those things, but we find a way to celebrate and move forward together and celebrate and be a voice of Zechariah, a voice celebrating and not a voice like Satan who's accusing and cutting and bringing people down. And so if that wasn't enough, the celebration scene of like, let's throw on the best clothes for Joshua. You, you are renewed, you are healed. God always goes bigger with his love and with his forgiveness. And so God goes on, and, and the Lord first charges Joshua with some things. He says, if you will walk in my ways and keep my requirements, then you shall rule my house. Think about the house of God, like the temple that's going to be built. You shall rule my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Hey, I've healed you. 
Go live faithfully. Go follow me. And I will, I will give you access to my throne room. You can come before me. You can ask me what you need to ask. Uh, come, come be with me. You are forgiven. And God goes on to say, I'm sending a branch. And think about the, like, the stump of Jesse, this branch of David. You know, they've gone into exile as a people in Israel and, uh, and into Babylonian captivity. There's no king of David, and they're wondering, who's going to lead us? Is God ever going to resurrect a king that might lead us faithfully? And God says, I'm sending a branch. And I love, you. maybe you haven't spent a lot of time in the book of Zechariah, uh, but the Gospels quote from Zechariah a lot in the uh, Passion Week of Jesus. And they see a lot of things going on in Zechariah of like, hey, I see a little bit of glimpses of, of what God was talking about there. I see that in Jesus too. And maybe it's coming more fully into fruition that those little glimpses of God at work are becoming revealed fully in Jesus. And that branch will come and, and there'll be a day in which forgiveness is magnified. We're not just talking about forgiving Joshua. We're talking about forgiving everybody. Uh, this kind of communal like land being forgiven. And here's how Zechariah talks about that. Uh, he talks about uh, removing the guilt of this land. And then he goes on to say, on that day, says the Lord of hosts, you shall invite each other to come under your vine and fig tree. So we've got this kind of like peaceable kingdom scene of like the land gets forgiveness. You know, it's so, so peaceful now that you can go out and you have shade and you can learn and you can sit with God and you can invite other people over to worship with you and to sit with God together. Uh, because that guilt, the things that we've done wrong, it's harmed our relationship not just with God but with other people. And on that peaceable day that, that the earth and us and each other might be able to sit peaceably with no guilt forgiven together. And I think about, you know, that one of those original stories of what sin looks like of Cain and his brother Abel. And, and, and it says in that story that, you know, that the ground cries out about the death of, of Abel. And you know, our sins have affected other people in our lives. They've affected the world. And God is talking about, hey, I don't just want to forgive just you. I want to forgive everything. I want to find a way to get to a place where the peace of God reigns and you see it and you get to live it and you get to experience it for yourself. And don't we all in this moment in the strangeness of this health crisis long for a time where we get to invite each other over where we get to sit together and we get to just, you know, bask in the kingdom of God and God's goodness that life reigns and not death. And so Zechariah takes us into that hope that is also our Easter hope that we've seen glimpses of that we also long for it to fully be present with us. And so we long for that day when life and peace reign and all that guilt is, is gone. The new clothes the new festival uh, is going to be thrown. And so if you're struggling with guilt, choose to go to the Lord who offers forgiveness. And if you struggle with throwing guilt on other people, may God give you in kindness that rebuke that turns you uh, to be a part of God's peaceful work that brings forgiveness and restoration to all people instead of accusations and guilt and, and throwing more pain on on the fire that already exists. And so may we all prepare for that celebration day. Let's prepare, let's, let's have that, that lordship of Christ visible in our lives where we're already uh, following God's, God's new way of life, 
Let's be prepared to see God's lordship at work. Let's celebrate that forgiveness can reign in our lives. And let's celebrate that there will be a day where we will all be reunited, a day where the, the land will celebrate with us and that we can just bask in, in the glory and the love and the forgiveness of our God. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we, we struggle, I think, to, to fully accept that you are that forgiving. That in a day, in an instant, Lord, that you can forgive, you can celebrate newness of life. And it's hard for us to move on from the pain that we've caused and the pain that has harmed us. Lord, I ask that you would help us to, to have prayer this week where we envision being in your presence, that we have that throne room vision of, of what it is for God to look with forgiveness uh, on us. Lord, let your forgiveness reign in our lives. Lord, help us to say yes, not only to that forgiveness, but also to the celebration. And Lord, help us to celebrate others who are on that path too. Help us to build up those around us instead of tearing them down. Lord, help us to celebrate you and all that you are doing in this world together. And it's in your precious name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.